Welcome to Talk Purpose and Truth, shifting you into higher consciousness, a show that elevates, uplifts, and encourages listeners to grow, heal, awaken, and evolve. Eden and Kim include bold topics, interviews with inspiring guests, experts, and celebrities, intuitive readings, channeled messages, mental health awareness, and hot topics to expand your awareness. Tune in for unprecedented truth, authenticity, on-purpose discussions, and magical moments. So this week is all about Earth Day, which is near and dear to my heart because I used to be in an eco-friendly rock group and we used to go speak about Earth Day and vegan and being environmentally conscious. And so it means a lot to me. And I think I've kind of fallen off the wagon lately. And so I have a dear friend, Paige, who's helped me get back into being more conscious about the earth and um, using the right products and things like that. And I brought her here today. So Paige is here today. Paige, do you have any tips that we can use for Earth Day to be more conscious? Oh my God, Kim, that's such a great question. Yes, at home, we can dramatically reduce toxic chemicals, a place where we can control things. And I can help with Norwex products. Norwex was founded in Norway over 27 years ago. And did you know that using toxic cleaning products can be as harmful as smoking 20 cigarettes a day now? Cleaning oh products have been linked to cancers, respiratory, developmental diseases, reproductive diseases, and more. Our amazing microfiber cloths fibers are only one two hundredth of a human hair. Your listeners heard me right, only one two hundredth of a human hair with each fiber embedded with silver. This allows our cloths to pick up 99% of bacteria off our surfaces and your body with just using tap water. So this eliminates a lot of cleaning products out there. And each fiber is embedded with silver. So that silver would not let any bacteria, mold or mildew to grow. We have cleaning products and products for your body that are natural, safe, effective, plant-based, sustainable, free of fake dyes and fragrances. And we have products for your kitchen, your floors, your bathroom, your bedrooms, laundry, pets, cars, and more. Awesome. How do we order or find out about that? You can go on my website. It's pagelizardo at norwex.biz. That's P-A-I-G-E-L-I-Z-A-R-D-O at N-O-R-W-E-X dot B-I-Z. Let's make Earth Day a daily event to be good to Mother Earth, your family, landfills, our environment, and our health. Make your home a safe haven. Awesome. Thank you, Paige. I know for me, it's really been a help to shift my projects and products into something more eco-conscious. So thanks for giving us all that great info. Thanks for having me. Welcome, everybody. Talk Purpose and Truth podcast. It's Kim and Eden. Hi, Eden. Hi, Kim. How's it going? Awesome. I'm we, good. Yeah. Um, Let's tell everyone we had we had a day. <laughs> we we we've had some times kind of messed up with times and had some cancellations, but we're here. Yes, we adapt and overcome. Yeah, yeah, and flow right along with it. So, um, yeah. So we're excited. We have a really fascinating guest, 
and I was blessed to get connected with this guest from Maria Galasso at Volunteer Network OC, who's one of our sponsors, and she's one of my friends, and she also connected us to Craig Shoemaker, so she's been yeah. really helpful and amazing at getting us some great guests, Yeah. and so I want to introduce David Russo. He's a composer, producer, and songwriter whose most recent credits include the music behind the hit Fox series, Gotham, and its acclaimed highly stylized spinoff, Pennyworth. Russo has worked in the studio or toured with artists such as Tom Morello and Rage Against the Machine, Sean Diddy, Combs, Cheryl Crow, 50 Cent, Paul Weller, Crowded House, producer Rick Rubin, Bone Thugs and Harmony, Dave Navarro, and Stevie Nicks. Russo has contributed to over 150 films, TV shows, documentaries, and commercials for directors such as Robert Rodriguez, Adam McKay, David Gordon Greer, Michael Mann, and Barry Levinson. Woo! Mm -hmm. Prior to composing full-time for film, he was also a founding member of alternative rock band Sun 60. Sony's Epic Records signed the band and they released three critically acclaimed CDs over a five-year span, touring the world in support of their albums. So welcome, David. You've done so much. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Remember when they say critically acclaimed, that means they didn't sell very many copies. <laughs> That's what critically acclaimed means. It does. It yeah. really, I never knew that, but it sure sounds good. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's cool <laughs> to have this been, been in a band. Hey, that's fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Okay. So talk, let's talk about your, the story of uh, being immersed in music, starting at a young age, uh, being a part of a well-known rock in or indie rock band, and then going into composing for TV and films. How did all of that kind of transition to where you are now? It's all been a part of the same process. I've just um, been making music any way I could every day mm. I can remember. And, and the, um, the transition to making a living doing it was kind of bumpy along the way, but I've just been very fortunate that somehow doors have opened and opportunities have uh, have occurred but and also i've had good friends who opened doors for me it's really, uh, yeah with the with, without the friends that have helped me along the way i don't know where i'd be yeah wow. so it always seems like in the in, in that industry it's who you know yeah did you what age did you start like were you in music when you were a kid a teen yeah, playing piano at nine and then playing clarinet in the school orchestra and, you know, all that stuff and play being in the marching band and mm. there was a jazz band in high school that played piano. So just all the time. And, and it never occurred to me ever that I would have a career in music ever. Oh my gosh, really? What area did you grow up in? I grew up in the uh, West Valley of Los Angeles, in Calabasas. Okay, oh, well, we're okay. very familiar. We're Valley girls too. Yeah. When I was a kid, it was like turkey farms and it was nothing out there. It was the ragged edge of civilization. Uh huh. Funny. Yeah. Funny. I remember we grew up in, I grew up in Granada Hills and my aunt lived in Ogura. And I felt like it was like the longest drive because it was like nothing. You just saw fields. Yeah. 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 Now Calabasas is all like, you know, well known because of all these celebrities that live there. Do you, where do you live now? Now I live in Pacific Palisades. A little north oh, north. Beautiful. very nice. Very yeah. nice. Beautiful area. 
So you, and it made me think of Prince when you said that you just constantly were recording music because that's what he was known for as well. And you've also worked with a bunch of really famous people such as Tom Morello and Dave Navarro and Stevie Nicks. What are a couple of cool experiences that you've had with those people and have you ever met or worked with Prince? <laughs> oh, I never, I saw him perform, but I never met him. Um, I did, I had a, uh, well, when my band kind of fell apart, um, I was really casting around, like, what am I going to do? And uh, this was in the early days of, they call it Pro Tools. There's a system of recording digitally. It used to be all on tape, and then it transitioned to everything's digital now. But in the late 90s, um, I was looking for something to do, and I had this Pro Tools setup. And so somehow I, I was able to get my way working in the studio. So working with a bunch of different artists in the studio, did a lot of remixes with Tom Rello, Rage Against the Machine. And I was just the guy operating this system because they were rare at the time. So I was able to make a living doing that. But um, I had a great experience working in the studio with Sheryl Crow and Stevie Nicks. And then I went on tour with Sheryl Crow. And oh, cool. And that was really fantastic because she's a uh, she's fantastic uh, songwriter and just a, brilliant person wow amazing i saw her on tour i think it was like 12 years ago or something like that so i don't know when you you were on tour with her uh this would have been 1999 okay got it all right all of my memories are a long time ago you know everything yeah yeah <laughs> we had someone on that was a um a, a session backup singer with um stevie nicks jana anderson really yeah. On, yeah. Jana. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I always do that. Jana. Um, yeah, she she had worked with Prince as well. But it's it's funny how everybody ends up crossing paths in that way. Yeah. And the reason we or Kim asked if you've ever met Prince. Um, I don't know if I can. I always tell the story. It's too long. I drag it on. Kim, let's tell oh, them the story. <laughs> we had a lot of really fascinating Prince people on the show and you know, his musical director, Morris Hayes, and people who have written books, his private journalist, and um, we know some of the people from the revolution. And it, it all started because Eden, Eden is a medium, and she began channeling Prince after his death. And we've been led to having these people on our podcast and, um, and connecting with these people because of that. Hmm. Yeah, so it, it seems like we, we always attract people in music for the show. Yeah. yeah. So that's why we had to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so next question, what does music mean to you? Yeah, it's funny. Um, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm at a point now in my life where I, I realize that I need music much more than it needs me. So mm. uh, I, I'm just driven to, um, I guess when I'm, when I'm writing, I forget about myself which is, that's the greatest gift. Like I, I'm, I'm no longer there. And I'm, it's this process, this creative process. People call it the flow, but it's a real thing. And it, to me, it's incredibly liberating and calming. It's like therapy. Yeah. That's like, it. like you can check out. Yeah. Well, in a certain way, you know, you can shut off a part of your brain. Yeah. And then it, it's, and I do it every day and it's, 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 uh, puts me in a place of gratitude and joy. I mean, I, there's nothing like it. Right. It reminds me of, I, I was watching the Grammys and, and John Baptiste won five 
Grammys. He's really awesome. And I, I loved his speech. He, he basically, he did not say that he was ungrateful or anything, but he was talking out of integrity and humility. And he said, you know, there really aren't any awards for people in music because everyone has their own way of creatively expressing music to the world. And you never know who's going to be magnetized to your music and what it's going to do for them and how it's going to heal or help them. And he said it really beautifully. I'm probably not doing it justice, but in your work, how have you seen music reach the masses and touch people? Have you heard feedback back from people where it really helped them through something or what's been your experiences with that? Well, I try not to focus on that stuff mm. um, because I, I think that tends to be a, that's an ego exercise. And, mm -hmm. mm. and you know, it's tempting. Uh, to want to hear people praise you. But I, I really try to focus on just the work and kind of and sharing it. Although that said, you know, I have like a people that like the music from the TV shows. I have a YouTube channel, so I put a lot, a lot of it up there. And there are certain people who like to enter the show through the music and they re-experience that scene or the scene through the music. So I, I do get a really, there's a lot of nice messages from people who just remember that scene. You know, and yeah. with their emotionally, not intellectually. It's a, it's always an emotional thing. So um, I, I like that. I, you know, I try to share a lot of the music because there are some people that do enjoy it. So I just put it out there. I've always actually that's been a philosophy just to um, put it out there, create music, and just keep sharing it. And if people like it, wonderful. If they don't, then that's what can you do? Just keep right. It. So you're yeah. like not you're not attached to the how people receive it and i think that's what keeps you probably has kept you in the business for so long too because it, it's not about the ego and and pride and yeah yeah i don't take it personally if i mm -hmm. like i'm doing a bunch of music for this uh, pilot at the moment and i'm sending it to the producer the greatest thing he can say is i hate that like if he says i hate that piece then it's oh okay then that's not the direction i don't take it personally you know i so that it's just information is just feedback so yeah i think that's one reason i've been able to kind of continue working is that i don't take it personally yeah mm -hmm. um and when you talked about when people get excited and, and get emotional with um certain scenes with your you know your music attached it reminded me of something when i watch like i watch lifetime a lot and there's always like violent scenes or where they're like walking through a house and someone's about to jump out at them. I turn the, I mute it. Yeah. So I don't have to hear that dramatic music. So then I don't get scared, but it makes me think about what you're, you're saying is that it, it's so, the music is so important. It's so impactful. Yeah. I remember I was working um, early in my career. I worked for another composer. And I was helping him work on one of the um, the Chucky movies. We were working on the Bride. Uh -huh. And there's a scene at the end where the the female doll is giving, I think, giving birth. I don't, I'm actually blocking on it now. And it's this <laughs> awful scene. And when you're doing the music, you have to listen to it over and over and over and over. And she's screaming, and and the music is just awful. And it still haunts me. That's <laughs> oh my God. that scene messed me up because you can't not listen to it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> for that reason. Yeah. That's, yeah. And then if the music wasn't there and it was, you were just watching them, 
yeah. without music, it would completely change the scene. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I like that. So, I, I do like that idea of your you're shaping the experience that people have when they watch something. And you are. Yeah. Avoid that kind of sculpting and trying to find the nuance of, of what emotion you're trying to support or what element of the character you're trying to support. Yeah, that's that's the puzzle that you that you have to figure out. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you worked on the Batman series Gotham. Anything with Batman is everybody gets so excited about. And so what was that like? Were you, you know, did you grow up being in into Batman and sure. What, how do you get inspired to do that? Like what inspires you for each show to know how to do the music for those episodes? Well, Gotham was kind of easy in that those characters are so huge and there's such a kind of respected canon about the Penguin, the Riddler, you know, all those things. So um, you know who the characters are. I mean, the challenge is to try to find a signature for the Gotham for the show. So to set it apart, that's, that's a real challenge. And, and they also, the fun thing is they did um, introduce new characters that, that were not part of the old show of the, the, the Batman canon, trying to come up with themes for them. But the show was so over the top operatic that it, um, it was an amazing canvas because it had intense romance, tragedy, uh, violence. Uh, it had everything all the time and it was, it was a wild show. So, uh, I mean, that, that was a great, it was kind of easy in the sense that everything was kind of just in your face and, and there was not a, not a lot of subtlety. Sometimes the hardest thing to write is something that's really simple. Note matters. You know, when you're throwing the kitchen sink at it, you can, you can cheat a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Does it, does it flow out for you or do you, are you like in your head a lot? Uh, it flows. Sometimes you kind of get stuck. Yeah. I've been working on a particular piece of music for three days and I was stuck just for, you know, but that's why the dog comes in handy. You walk the dog and then ideas come. I was going to ask you, what do you do when you're stuck? Walk you walk dog. away, you walk the dog. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah. well, the, the, you know, I was, was thinking that when you listed off all the stuff I've done, what that means is I've been sitting in this room for 25 years, mm. literally. I've been sitting yeah. looking out this window. It's a nice window, but I mean, so, so and I got to get out. So that's why my dog is just a lifesaver. I walk him constantly. I got to get, just get out and just change it up. Yeah. What, what, what kind of dog do you have? He's a, oh, yeah. he's, a uh, he's a Cavalier Spaniel poodle mix. Whoa. Oh, cute. Yeah. He's the best. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so there's a quote on your website about your music, and it says, "There's a there is a distinctly modern, rel relentless lurking below the restlessness. surface." What? Restlessness. Oh, what did I say? Relentless. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah I like that. <laughs> that is a much different word. There's a distinctly modern restlessness lurking below the surface of Russo's scores and themes with instantly compelling motifs that stick in the subconscious and ling linger long after the moment has passed. So can you explain what this no, all means? I can't explain that. That's just a sales pitch. Just <laughs> make the website kind of look good. You know, you got to give it a spin. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just do what I do. I find that, um, 
I, I, I love getting um, a new cut of some project I'm working on and, and I eagerly watch it and then try to identify things that strike a chord in me and then I just start making sound and, and, I, and I never know where it's going to go. Mm. I have no, I have, it's always like that there's chaos at the beginning of a project where I, I don't know what the sound palette is going to be. I don't know what the themes are or the intention. Or, so there's always intense chaos for, you know, for weeks or months until I kind of get into a groove. But it's, uh, I come from a long line of um, mentally disturbed Sicilians. So there's, we're not intellectuals. We're just emotional. Mm. We, we respond good or bad emotionally. Uh, and that's just how I've approached music. Mm. And actually this, I, you know, when I worked for this other composer, Graham Ravel for several years, he was exactly the opposite. He was just intellect. So it was an incredible uh, learning opportunity for me because he mm -hmm. had a completely different way of, that it never occurred to me. Ah, you can actually break it down. And <laughs> it never occurred to me. We just not just plunge in. Ah, okay. Well, it sounds like the emotional doing it that way emotionally, it's like it takes a lot of energy. Yeah. A lot more energy. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because it's just this black hole and you're trying to fill it up. Yeah. So I, I have learned some things along the way to kind of take a step, a little step back and say, hmm, what is this? What does this really need? Can I, can I structure it in a way that I can kind of visualize it and uh, not expend as much energy? Very true. Mm. How did you learn how to be so non-ego and, and just the way you, I mean, I, I feel like usually for both men and women, it's a process to learn how to shed ego and just be kind of raw. And it sounds like you just naturally are like that. Do you feel like you've always been like that or it was through the years? I've always been this way. Not always good. It's not always a good thing. I, I, there's a radio host in LA who goes, he goes, it's not that I have low self-esteem, but that I have no self-esteem. He said that to you? No, I've just heard the guy on the radio say that. Oh, oh, okay. That kind of struck a chord. Like I've always kind of felt invisible. Ah, uh, and you're, mind, but you're, and you're behind this, the camera, you yeah. in your work, and you're in that room. <laughs> well, even when I actually, when I was in the band on stage touring, oh, I still felt invisible. You did. Yeah. Uh, it's just that's just the way I'm wired. Like I always, there's always this feeling like I don't really quite exist, which I'm quite comfortable there. Okay. Yeah, because if, if you were a client coming to me, I would dig into that. I would ask them, let's look back at your past, your childhood. Let's find out why. No, well, but you don't want to. You you feel comfortable there. Yeah, I'm not suffering. I'm not suffering. That's good. Oh, that that's is a good point. Yeah, so important. Yeah. Well, and I love what he said about like, okay, I've been here 25 years. It's funny because I was just thinking that about Scott. Like we we just had an episode David, um, a few weeks ago with a guy from the Ukraine, it was, um, a guy who fleed from the Ukraine and now is safe. You know, he was an American and Scott had weird Al in the studio and he jumped on and said some words to the Ukrainian people on our show. So that's pretty cool. But then it made me think, wow, Scott's been in that studio like 40 years, but even though it's, it's, you're in this one big building, 
all the different energy and experiences and music and words that have come through that. And I feel like that, it reminded me of what you said, because you've been in that room, but look at how much phenomenal content you've created in that 25 years in that room. Yeah, I should say my body is in this room. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. My mind is kind of somewhere else. Yeah. He's, you're very wise. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to. <laughs> you just, whatever just, comes out. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, to, I'm just trying to keep it going. You know, <laughs> I'm 60 years old and I, I'm like, uh, I'm trying to just focus on, uh, I don't know how much time I have left. So I just want to be healthy and enjoy this, whatever time I have remaining. No enemies, just <laughs> but I'm, that's what I'm shooting for. That's a yeah. big accomplishment. No enemies. But don't look it. You look way younger. <laughs> You do. Thank you. Trying. So did, is, what would you say if someone asked you, what is your, what makes you feel most on purpose and in your truth? Would you just say music and composing or would you have like a colorful description of it? Oh, I think it's actually being of service to other people. Because hmm. in my personal relationships, like, that's the thing that makes me feel the best. If I feel, if, if I feel useful to other people. Then you're not invisible. Mm. <laughs> right, exactly right. Right. Yeah, yeah that because right because well you're okay with being invisible but it makes you feel good when you're helping someone so then people you uh, are seeing you yeah appreciating yeah, well, you for instance what i'm working on right now i'm just doing this pilot for the cw and it's like one of these dc spinoff shows so I'm trying to come up with a bunch of music, but really at the bottom of it, I'm doing it because for this producer that I'm working for, who I have been working for a lot for 20 years, who's just a guy that, that I tremendously admire and who for some reason likes my music. So for me, the main motivation is to try to do something that is going to serve him because he's, he's off directing this thing right now. Like that's the guy I don't want to let down. You know, that's, hmm. that's my main focus. But that's, then you're going to like, let's say, you know, when the show gets put out there and you do every episode, let's say you're also serving all these people watching yeah. and you never know. Somebody watches it 20 times and something in that music or episode touches them and changes something. Never know. No. And I, I love the idea that, that, that it gives people pleasure, you know, uh, that I like a lot. I like that idea. Yeah. And you give That's yourself, cool. hopefully you feel that too. You feel like the pleasure. Motivation. It's not, it's not money at all. It never has been money. Mm. I just feel so lucky. I can actually make a living doing this because I would do it for free and I have done mm. it for free. Mm -hmm. So That's just a really happy accident that I'm able to make a living doing it. <laughs> That's very cool. Mm. Um, so on a completely different note here what do you do besides music in your daily and life and and how what my, does anything else make you feel alive uh I fulfilled like, well uh i like to uh exercise i like to ride my bike a lot i'm like really into pilates i really love it like mm. that's like a that's like a meditation for me self-care self-care yeah yeah uh i like to um my mom is 89, so I, she's out in Calabasas. I like to go out there every week, see her. Mm. Really not much. The, as I get older, the, thing, the list of things that I don't care about is getting longer and longer. Mm. 
<laughs> yes. The, the, the things that interest me are very few. So I don't know, good food is a good one. Friends is a really good one. Yeah, yeah. that's what life's all about. I, it reminds me of, I was reading Jim Carrey recently was in the news saying he's going to retire and he's 60. And he said, unless there's a really golden script out there for me, that's really meaningful. I just want to paint and be in my spirituality and be with family. And I'm happy. And it's like, well, we all, you know, I think a lot of us as humans get so caught up in stuff that isn't really necessary. And when you can simplify, you're happier. Yeah. Yeah. Although that said, during the um, whole quarantine and the COVID period, I didn't really do much for two years. And that mm -hmm. was tough. Mm -hmm. oh, because you didn't have work. Yeah. And I felt, I felt useless. Oh, yeah. Struggle for me. I thought, hmm, this is a wake up call. Like, wow, this is interesting because there's going to be a point in my life that nobody wants to hire me anymore. So then I'm going to have to figure out, huh, what am I going to do then? So I have to come up with something. I'm working on it. I don't know yet. Oh, yeah. So I guess it makes space for something different. Right. And the only problem is I have no desire for anything different. So I don't, uh -huh. I don't, I don't know what that's going to be. We'll see. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what would you do if you didn't have the music? So you you did know what you, you know, you, you experienced that with COVID. Yeah, I don't know. I have no plan B. Huh. I, know, I don't have any hobbies. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Did you, during that time, did you create anything just for the sake of creating? I did. I did. You know, this guy was just talking about the producer. He lives two blocks away. So we did three or four albums of music together. Oh, wow. Just two. We did, a, and it was his idea. He goes, because um, he's a writer, director, producer. He goes, you know, I'm always compiling Spotify playlists that I write to. He always writes to music. And he goes, I spend so much time. Why don't we just write an album of music that isn't connected to an existing movie so that a writer play this and get into that headspace uh -huh. without, you know, relating this piece of music to that film. So we just did, you know, we did a mystery, we did a romance, we did a science fiction, we did a Jules Verne compilation just to do it. And he's a wow. musician. So yeah, that, that passed some months. And you guys put it out there? We just put it on Spotify. It's out there. Music for writers. That's so cool. Is that what it's called? Music for writers. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to look for it. I know. I like that. Wow. Okay. So what projects do you have coming up besides what you're already doing you, well, that you talked on, about? The one I'm working on right now, it's a, so it's a DC thing. It's called Gotham Knights. It's um, on the CW and it's like uh, the, the, uh, the, the story is that um, in the beginning of the show, uh, Bruce Wayne is murdered. Oh, wow. We meet his adopted son. And his adopted son is then accused of the murder. So I don't know Batman at all, but is, has he, because I'm not, I'm not into that stuff, but okay. Does Bruce Wayne is Batman, right? Yes. yes? Okay. I'm not that dumb, but <laughs> has he ever been murdered in any of the other movies? No. Or show? But I think he's been, I think he dies in some of the comics. Shows? Okay. So this is the first. I think so. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Eden, wow. you at least have to see the Batman with the that Prince made the whole soundtrack for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be a, it would 
I, that would be forced. I have no interest. <laughs> You're too busy watching Lifetime romances. I get yeah, it. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah, see? Big I difference. No interest in lifetime romances. <laughs> see? I get it. Yeah. Live your life. <laughs> yeah, we're the, yin, we're the yin and the yang of each other as hosts. <laughs> so yeah. with all these people, David, that you've worked with, do you feel like there's any of them that you would love to work with again? Or do you have a dream person or project you'd like to do that still hasn't come about? Oh, well, uh, Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine is one of the most brilliant, kind, elegant, hilarious people I've ever met. And, and we did a thing where he, um, we had a thing where he would do remixes for movies. So they would, we had like, we did five of them over a period of a couple of years. So they would, there would be an old song, like an old Led Zeppelin song. And they would give it to him with the original tracks. He would take away the stuff and he would play his own stuff and do these crazy remixes. So I, I was able to work with him on a bunch of those. And just spending, being in the room with that guy was incredible. Like just the most, the kindest, most articulate, brilliant people I've ever met. So he was great. And then um, I would love to work with Tim Burton. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love Tim Burton. Speaking of Batman. <laughs> He's doing a, a spinoff of the Adams family called Wednesday by Wednesday Adams, that character. Uh huh. God, I'd love to work on that one. But, oh, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I love him. And he's one of my daughters. My, my 15 year old daughter has been obsessed with him since she was like three. Like we took her to the Tim Burton Museum when she was five. And now she looks back. She's like, Mom, was that normal that I was watching Dark Shadows at age five? I'm like, you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, daughter, uh, my daughter is fascinated by the Black Plague. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, wow. That, okay, another dumb question. Is that is that Tim Burton? No, no, no. I mean, the actual oh. Black Plague. The actual the disease. Yeah. <laughs> that killed millions of people. The, oh, that. Like, the bat horn virus that, or bacteria that killed millions like, of people. Oh, I thought it was a movie. No. Okay. No, an actual plague. For oh. some reason, she's... Oh. She, like that, it's her calling. Yeah, yeah. And she recently, she lives in Scotland. So she recently um, called me and said, can I buy a sword? Was well, like some five foot sword? She went, yeah, why not? If you need, if you need a sword, buy a sword. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> uh, is that your only daughter? Yes, my only child. Yeah. Uh, so do you go, do you get to go there to Scotland? I just got back from there. I was just there. Oh for my gosh. That I want, I've been to a lot of Europe, but I want to go to Scotland. So Me back. too. So do I. Yeah. Magnificent. Really nice. Edinburgh is an incredible city. It's got everything. Arts, culture. It's great. How cool. What is she doing there? Trying to figure that out. Not exactly. Ah. Uh, she's, she's, uh, she's, you know, studying. The university's really doing. Going to school. That's what she's doing. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Yeah. I was going to comment on Tom Morello. I listen to him sometimes on, um, on, I think it's hair nation on Sirius or one of the channels that he, he's one of the DJs and he brings his mom on yeah. and there, he is so interesting to listen to. And I could just see what you mean about like those people that you just want to have in the room with you and hear what they have to say, really? you know? And also working in the studio with rage against the machine. Um, he, went out of his way to kind of be respectful and kind to everybody, which yeah. is not something that people always do, especially when they're stressed out. You know, you're trying to, you're fighting with your bandmates. Tom was just, he used to cut above 
always. He really, I, you know, it's a long time ago, but I've not, I'll never forget him. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you have that quality. So you probably see that in him and then you have that. It's like a mirror because I could see you being someone who always makes sure to be kind to everyone. Try. Yeah. So that's why we, we attracted you on the show because we're like that too. <laughs> I feel it. You do? Yeah. Oh, that's Thank good. You. That's good. Um, is your studio in that room or do you actually record uh, elsewhere? Well, uh, yes. If I'm working with an orchestra, I have to go into a, a bigger place. I mean, this is big enough to record a small ensemble, but I couldn't fit an orchestra. I mean, this is just, you know, a, a room above the garage, essentially. So, I, you know, I have to go into a bigger studio if it's bigger ensembles. Depends. Uh, these days, I've been doing a lot of TV for the past 20 years. And so as the, as the industry has moved more digitally, you don't need to go into the studio as much because you can do, you can accomplish mm -hmm. Unless you want the feel, like, like Scott's studio. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing like a real orchestra. You know, yeah. Nothing like it. The energy of it all. Yeah. What There's other, do you have another film and TV composer that you admire? Oh, well, where do we start? Uh, Thomas Newman is one of my absolute favorites. He did um, The Road to Perdition. He's done, he's done so many things. He did, uh, did Wall-E, but Road to Perdition. Oh. Um, James Newton Howard, incredible. Uh, He's just one of these guys that inspires me. Danny Elfman, of course, who does all the, the Tim Burton stuff. Yeah, I love him. Just saw him in October. Yeah. He, well, he's got a new thing coming out, like a percussion symphony or something like that. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys. And then, of course, the, the, the greats, you know, John Williams, Jerry Goldsmith, those guys. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Well, let us know where we can find you. Where can people um, get your YouTube oh. channel, your social media, anything like that, that people can communicate with you? It's all under David Russo Music with no spaces, no hyphens, no underscore. So Instagram, I have a website, and then the YouTube channel. It's all the same. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. You were so interesting and a great example of a person. I know, yeah. Aside oh. from your talent, you're just... You seem just like a great, a great human being. Likewise. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Bye everybody. Thanks all for right, listening. Thank you very much. Thank Bye. you. Bye. So Paige is going to remind you all how to get those amazing Earth Day eco-friendly products. Yes. You can reach me on my website at pagelizardo at norwex.biz. That's P-A-I-G-E. L-I-Z-A-R-D-O at Norwex, N-O-R-W-E-X dot biz. These products are great for everybody. If you have chronic disease, if you're going through cancer, if you have kids, if you have pets, older people, everybody needs to get rid and reduce exposure to toxic chemicals. And that's where Norwex can help you guys out. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talk Purpose and Truth podcast. Find out more at talkpurposeandtruth.com. And follow us at Talk Purpose Truth on Instagram and Facebook.